Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 783, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Read a passage. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea, very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And walking out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught a hold of him, and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is a gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew is presenting this teaching, preaching, and healing ministry of Jesus. And we finish the parable discourse. And then Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, was rejected by the people there. Then we saw the report about the death of John the Baptist. But the highlight there was the fear of Jesus by Herod Antipas. Then we had the feeding of the 5,000. So this section here is immediately following the feeding of the 5,000. So in chapter 14, verse 22, we read, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. So immediately, there's soon here, as soon as he finishes the feeding of the 5,000, he tells the disciples to leave. And the words here, he made the disciples get into the boat. And this verb only appears nine times in the New Testament. And it's often translated as forced or compelled. So it's not he just sent them to the other side of the lake. He made them go. He forced them to go. He compelled them to go. And I have to say, what's the big deal? What's the rush? And Matthew doesn't tell us, so we be careful that we don't get too speculatively here. But Jesus sends the disciples away. Then he dismisses the crowd. Now, if we look in the Gospel of John, John 6 14 and 15. John tells us, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So John says, there's such a uproar over this miraculous feeding of the 5,000. The people want to make him king by force. They want to basically override any objections that Jesus has and name him the king. Now, we know that the disciples haven't fully 
grasped yet, and they won't until after the resurrection, really, what's going on, what's in store here. And one speculation, let me say it is speculation, is that's the reason Jesus sends his disciples away so quickly, so they don't get caught up in this make Jesus king furor and get confused about the nature of the mission. So you, you guys go ahead, jump in the boat, head to the other side, all dismiss the crowd. And so Jesus then dismisses the crowd. Matthew tells us that he sent them to go ahead to the other side. Now, exactly where they're supposed to go, we know they end up in Genesaret, that we see down in verse 34. And that would be just a, a mile or two south of Capernaum. So if the Sea of Galilee is a clock, Bethsaida, where they were near for the feeding of the 5,000, is like 1 o'clock on the clock. Capernaum is like 11 o'clock on the clock. And Genesaret is about 10 o'clock on the clock. So that's where they end up. We don't know that Jesus had given them that destination initially. And it's about a five-mile trip. In verse 23, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. That's the reason they went over to this place to begin with, was to get away from the crowds, to get away from the influence of Herod Antipas, to be alone. And so Jesus takes this opportunity now to actually go be alone and pray. And not a quick prayer, he prays well into the night. Verse 24, Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Now here we have another storm with them in the boat. The image we get here is, it's rough going. It's not like the storm we saw earlier, where they were afraid they were going to die. Many of these guys are fishermen. They made their living on this lake. So they, they know weather, they know boats, they know the lake. So it's not like they're afraid they're going to die, but it is a strong wind, and they're not making much headway. Mark and John say that they're rowing against the wind. Now, Matthew says some distance. Now, literally, the Greek is many stadia. A stadia is about 600 feet. Mark says they're in the middle of the lake. John said they had rowed 25 to 30 stadia, so that's like three or four miles. That gives us a sense of they've gone three or four miles, maybe, and it's about a five-mile trip point to point from where the feeding of the 5,000 was to Genesaret on the other side. Now, where they are at this point, it's hard to say, but they, they haven't made it, and they're having a hard go of it. Verse 25. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. So they're rowing and rowing and trying to get there. They're making very slow progress. And then Jesus comes walking out to them on the water. Matthew says very early in the morning. Literally says about the fourth watch. Now from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. is divided into four three-hour watches. So the fourth watch is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So this is when Jesus walks out on the water to them. Some question, how did they see him at night? Well, maybe there's a full moon, or maybe they're starting to get a little dawn breaking in the distance and a little bit of light. Verse 26, 
When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. I can understand that. This is not something you see every day. In fact, this is something that's been seen never to this point. Somebody walking on the water. They've gone three or four miles, and they're probably at least a mile from land. So this is not something you would normally see. So the fact they think it's a ghost, I don't blame them. They're scared. Verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So Jesus reveals that it's him, and they're comforted that it is him. Now, the rest of this, verse 28 through 33, is the event of Peter walking on the water. This is only in Matthew. Jesus walking on the water is also recorded by Mark and John. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Now, this is a conditional if. But some say, okay, this is a first-class conditional. Since it's a true statement, you could translate this since. So it's not a question, well, if it's really you, but since it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, he said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. When he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now here we have the faith and the doubt of Peter. Peter has the faith that he can walk on the water, but he says only if Jesus calls him to, commands him to do this, but then the doubt, and he starts to sink. Now you got to remember, these guys had already been given authority to heal sicknesses cast out demons. They've already actually been performing miracles themselves. This isn't such an outlandish thing. So they see Jesus walking on the water. Peter thinks, well, maybe I can do that too. They just witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. Now we have to ask, what's Peter's motive? And this is where we got to be careful. Matthew doesn't give us his motive. Is he just excited is it with the thrill of it? Hey, I want to do that too. Or is he actually wanting to prove to Jesus, show his faith. Jesus, I believe so much in you. I believe I could do that too. Is he trying to show off? Is he trying to emulate Jesus? Be like Jesus? Is he wanting to test God? So you can come up with all kinds of motives, good and bad for this. We're not given his motive. But he does say, Jesus, command me to do this. And Jesus then says, do it. Come. So Jesus gives his okay. So that seems to mean that this, it's appropriate for Peter to do this. Now some say, okay, Jesus says, go ahead and do it to show your foolishness at wanting to do it. But Jesus generally rebukes people when they're showing foolishness and saying, you, your motives are wrong here. Sort that out first. So it seems that appropriate thing to do. And it seems to start out okay, but then we have this collision of circumstances and faith. He takes a few steps. We don't know how far he gets from the boat. And then seeing the waves, the reality of his circumstances, and that starts to then have a bigger impact on him than his faith in Jesus. And he starts to sink. But he calls out to Jesus. 
and Jesus saves him. What's the lesson for us in this? Hard to take away an exact lesson here. Don't be too foolish and jump out thinking you have the faith to do things that you shouldn't be doing. Well, but Jesus said he could do it. Don't take our eyes off of Jesus when we're doing something hard, because when we do, then the circumstances seem bigger than our faith in God. Only do what Jesus commands us to do. So all these things are are true, and that's where we've got to be careful trying to boil it down to a, a single lesson here. But what we see here is faith and doubt. And, and too often when we allow the circumstances to be the focus of our attention, that does impede our faith, and we do have problems. But keep in mind that we always can call out to God, save us, save me, help me in this problem. And God is always there to help us. But keep our eyes on Jesus. And verse 33, those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly you are the son of God. There doesn't seem any response to this confession of faith here. It's not until chapter 16 when Peter says, you are the son of God, that Jesus commends Peter for his faith there. So do they really get it here? Well, no, but they are getting it. They're getting closer to it. This is the first time we see disciples saying that Jesus is the son of God. Satan has said it back in chapter 4. Demons have said it. But this is the first time we actually see the disciples saying it. Jesus, you are the Son of God. They really understand what that means? Not yet. But they're getting closer and closer. They really won't fully understand it until after the resurrection. But for us, we do have the full story. We are after the resurrection. And so we can allow the Gospels to explain to us what it really means that Jesus is the Son of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.